Welcome to the Yahoo Finance Presents podcast. I'm Alexis Christophorus. My guest today is one of the most highly respected talent representatives in the entertainment business. She knows a thing or two about building a brand and moving up the ladder in a mostly male-dominated industry. Aline Kashishian is founder and CEO of Lighthouse Management and Media, and her client list reads like a who's who of Hollywood. Jennifer Aniston, Selena Gomez, Gwyneth Paltrow, Jason Bateman, Paul Rudd, Mark Ruffalo. I can go on and on, but we want to get to the podcast. I am delighted to have Aline join me today. How are you? Oh, great. Thank you so much for having me. I want to get to some of these um, big-name clients. I mean, and then we'll get to how you sort of got there and, and built your own business and your own brand. But what has working with some of Hollywood's top talent taught you about how to build a brand, what you should do, and maybe even more importantly, what you shouldn't do? Well, you know, I think the first thing is, I think before you start working with people that are truly um, the best at what they do and are already very well-known, um, in my case, I've started working with some of these talented folks when they were 11 years old and when they just began. And in other cases, they already were established. Mm-hmm. Um, someone like Jennifer Aniston, I started working with after she had already done Friends and was ex- extremely well-known. Mm-hmm. So I think I think it's different for every single person, and I think every artist is their own um you know, has their own sets of of, of uh, challenges and goals. Mm-hmm. And I think the key is understanding who the person is, because no matter how famous or rich or successful an artist is, they still want the basic things, which is they want to be fulfilled creatively. Mm-hmm. They want to be uh, recognized and seen for their talent. Um, they want to do their best work and learn. And they also want to um, be compensated fairly. And in the beginning of a career, you you know, I think they, they don't care as much about what they're earning. I think when you're, you know, when you, as you're older, you have family, you've been doing it a long time, you want to be compensated fairly for your, for your uh, work and your time. And I think the, the whole question about building a brand, mm-hmm. that has changed very much. I've been doing this for 25 years. And in the beginning, there was a real fear of people um, aligning with brands or ever doing anything other than you did a play, you did a movie, you barely even did television, but then maybe you do television. Right. And now it's completely changed. So what people do and who they align with and what brands they align with and what the power of that is, along with social media and how, how everything has changed, mm-hmm. has radically changed what, what people are looking for and what they can do. How did you know that, that these um, partnerships would work? I, I believe you, Jennifer Aniston does something with, with a water company, and you were responsible for that uh, branding uh, opportunity for her. Give us some examples of, of some of the um, opportunities that have been presented to, to some of your clients and why those things worked for them. Well, the first thing I'll say is when you're looking for a brand partnership with an artist, you want to search for a partnership that's actually authentic and organic to that artist and their lifestyle. Um, So you would never pick something that doesn't make sense. In other words, Jennifer Aniston is extremely healthy. She exercises regularly. She takes care of what she eats and puts into her body. 
and she genuinely has a bottle of smart water walking around with her mm-hmm. whenever she is exercising or leaving the house. So that partnership started in a small way, and then it continued for, God, I feel like it's been, um, I don't even know exactly, I'd say 14, 15 years. Wow. Um, and it usually starts with um, with something small. So, for example, with Jennifer and Living Proof, um, this hair care company many, many years ago came to us and said, we're interested in doing something with Jen Aniston. They didn't really know what, mm-hmm. and they didn't really, I think they knew that she has the most iconic um, hair of anyone in the in the world. <laughs> I remember and that so, cut back in the 90s. Everybody wanted that haircut. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And Chris McMillan, who gave her that haircut, is still one of her best friends and oh. does her hair to this day. Wow. Um, we had to really vet the products. She went to Cambridge, Mass., where she met with the MIT and Harvard scientists who had <laughs> developed the, the products. Um, we had Chris use the products for several months at his um, hair salon. And then she became involved in the creative um, content that, that they created. And eventually, and she became an equity owner in the company. Um, and eventually it was sold um, to Unilever, and she um, did very well financially. But the entire time, if you went into her bathroom, mm-hmm. that's what she was using. Um, and she learned a lot about it, and that was, I think, the first time she actually owned a part of a company. And I think that's, I think the key is, as I said, I would never have had, um, you know, Jen will only promote the, the products or the brands that she really believes in. Right. Um, and, and that's the same with any artist. You know, for an, a different example is Selena Gomez. Uh, she has done partnerships with Coca-Cola, Puma, and Coach. And, um, and that's an interesting one because with Coca-Cola, she genuinely drinks Coca-Cola, and mm-hmm. that's something that Jennifer Aniston doesn't. So you would never put Jennifer in a in a deal with Coca-Cola, whereas you would with Selena, because that's something she genuinely drinks. And I remember she once posted a, a Instagram photo of mm-hmm. her drinking Coca-Cola, and they didn't ask her to do it. And apparently at that time, it was the most liked photo in history. Oh, my goodness. I mean, and you touched on it at the top, but how social media, I mean, has really just you know, made the stakes even be that much higher now for, for these for these celebrities and the brands that they are, are touting. How has social media changed what you do over the past couple of decades? It, it definitely has changed. I mean, in the beginning, um, when brands were looking for a partner, they were looking for a well-known, well-regarded um, actor or actress. So when Natalie Portman did her deal with Dior, we we looked for a cosmetic brand to partner her with that had the same values. They didn't mm-hmm. test on animals. I mean, there was a whole list of things that was important to her. Mm-hmm. Um, nowadays, when brands are looking to do um, deals with clients, they'll still, in some cases, let's say Louis Vuitton, they'll still look for Emma Stone um, who doesn't have a big social media, for example. However, then they will actively be looking for people that have a lot more influence via social media. Because when you when you have 147 million followers on your Instagram, like <laughs> Selena does, yes. um, that becomes almost like um, an entire PR and marketing 
budget and team with one click. Absolutely. So she can get more eyeballs and engagement on posting something herself than the media buy of these companies, whether they'd get print ads or television ads or um, viral videos. And by the way, that has changed drastically, too, because in the beginning, you'd see the TV commercial. Well, now people don't even watch commercials. People don't even watch TV. Right. So with, um, you know, watching things on demand, watching things on their phone, they're much more likely to see um, something on someone's Instagram story uh, than, than watching a, an ad on television. And by the way, that's a lot cheaper for, mm. to produce and to, um, and to share. I bet. You know, and, but on the flip side of that, I think Jen Aniston has very little, if no, presence on social media. Um, but she has been able That's to true. land these lucrative deals. I guess it's just the power of her brand. Um, these, 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 I think so. Yeah. I, think, I, I think so. You're right. I think, you know, she is one of the exceptions. And I think if you think about it, um, the brands that she is uh, working with um, have not felt that that was um, – a problem. Mm-hmm. And I think it is also because she's one of the most famous and recognized people in the world. But I think if you were starting now looking for a brand partnership for a young artist, mm-hmm. if they didn't have social media, that would really hinder their chances of getting to work with a certain brand. It it has now become very, very important. And to the to the um to another example would be Puma. Puma has a lot of partnerships with what they call influencers, social media influencers, people that you may not even know who they are, Mm -hmm. but, you know, your kids will probably know who they are. And that is, um, they don't get paid as much, obviously. Obviously, what um, a major star will get is very different from what a social media influencer will get. Mm -hmm. But brands are looking for those partnerships. So that is very, very important. And for someone like Selena, who happens to be um, one of the most powerful people in the world in terms of her social media platform to be both a very recognizable and well-known um, and well-respected music artist as well as have that kind of power, that's what makes her, I think, unique and what makes people want to work with her so much. And who knew it when we were watching her on those Disney shows that this, you know, she'd have such a following like this. Um, but talk to me about the possible dangers of oversaturation, right? And of and of even if you really do use these products, of of attaching your name to maybe too many things, and perhaps along the way losing your focus. Well, you know, I think that's the same thing with everything. I think we we say that to artists when they're when they're releasing music, when they're doing films, when they're doing television. I think that the key is um, to really try to maintain your authenticity and really don't get involved with all the people that are coming to you saying, hey, will you post this on your social media for, we'll give you half a million dollars. Can you do a post? Um, I think the key to the people I work with is none of them have done that. They genuinely are very careful that the the products that they are aligning with are organic to them and that they care about. And there's another thing that that they're doing, which is they're trying to integrate aspects of their careers into the brand that they're connecting with. So, for example, um, Selena will use the music that she's currently recording in her coach campaign videos Mm -hmm. um, or in her Puma videos. Um, Jennifer will also work with brands 
um, to promote her charity. So, for example, Smart Water and St. Jude's um, mm-hmm. have an alliance, and that becomes very fulfilling to Jen when mm-hmm. she sees that they're actually giving money and resources to causes that she cares about. And so that's that's something that I think is really important. The, the component where an artist can give back in a philanthropic way to something that is close to their heart mm-hmm. makes it so that they're not just, you know, being used as a promotional vehicle for this brand, but they're genuinely engaging with each other. Right. And I think you can't do that with hundreds of things at once. You, you, you really can't. So I don't really have that problem because my clients tend to say no much more often than they say yes. <laughs> right. And in some cases, these brands are approaching us. And in other cases, we're really approaching the brands. Um, and it sometimes takes a long time. You know, we want to start building a relationship when a, when an artist is is young and just beginning their career, and sometimes it takes a long, long time. Um, And you lay the groundwork. Maybe you have a a young actress go to the Chanel show, and then they're wearing Chanel on their um, PR tour, and then they're meeting the different executives there that are going to make the decision about whom to partner with next. And maybe it'll take three years till they hire my client for a campaign. But you help to cultivate... that relationship, we, exactly. right? Right, right. Exactly. You are a Harvard grad. You you graduated with honors. You're an immigrant. Um, how did this happen? Tell me how you went from there to where you are now, which is which is a, a pinnacle in the entertainment industry. But connect those dots for us. Well, I was very lucky. I was um, I grew up doing children's theater. Uh, I always joke and say Adam Sandler was was in the plays I did when we were ten, <laughs> and he's become a massive star. That's right. And uh, I have not. Um, <laughs> you have but, behind um, the scenes, Aline. <laughs> exactly. I started as as an actor when I was a kid, mm-hmm. and then I started directing plays in high school and college, and then I was very lucky in that I got an internship while I was in college. Um, through an Armenian organization, actually, the AGBU, mm. where I was assisting um, a casting director in New York City. Um, and she uh, talked to me about Juliet Taylor, who she said was the best casting director in the business. And this was in 19, early 1990s. Mm-hmm. So I sent in a resume, and um, I got called in for an interview um, to be an intern for that casting director, for Juliet Taylor, and mm-hmm. Laura Rosenthal was her associate at the time. And that was really that was really the door that opened up, I think, everything for me. Because I always say this to young people, when you are getting your first job, try to work for someone who's great at what they do. Because whomever you meet mm-hmm. through that person, it, it, that's going to decide your future. You could be incredible, but you're working for someone that is, unfortunately, it's a dead end. Or you could work for someone and make no money, but they are so well-regarded in what they do that that kind of fairy dust will come onto you. So that's what happened to me. Um, One of the best agents and agencies that we worked with was ICM in New York. Um, They were very, very successful, and they said, oh, we're looking for a new agent. And I had worked for Juliet for three years, and I had just been thinking – maybe I should be a talent agent and not a casting director. Mm. And I got the call for a, for a meeting there. 
Um, I was hired, even though I had never been in a mail room or had assisted. I was terrified, and I had a <laughs> pit in my stomach every day for the first six months. Oh, goodness. Um, but then I had a wonderful mentor there in Sam Cohn, who was one of the owners of the company, and um, just told me that my job was to find one artist, introduce him or her to another artist, and help them create art. Hmm. So it was a very noble profession, being an agent and a, and a real privilege and something very creative and artistic. And so I started um, representing talent uh, the next day, I think, is when I started working with Natalie Portman. She was 11. Wow. And then, um, and then uh, I started working with Laura Linney and Paul Rudd um, early in their careers. And a lot of my clients um, came from uh, New York, you know, Laura had graduated from Juilliard. Right. A lot of them had gone to drama school. Um, and then I also started working with um, with some uh, L.A.-based talent. And soon I had about 50 or 60 clients I was working with as an agent. And I thought, okay, this is quite a lot of people. That <laughs> that I'm taking I'd, care I'd of. I was working with directors. Mm-hmm. Um, I was working with Spike Lee and Darren Aronofsky, and it was just full-time you worked all day, and then you went to the theater every night. And so I had no life. And I thought, okay, I think I'm going to need to move to L.A. because their hours are a little more um, conducive to having a life. Right. Um, and I was at the time dating my husband. He was a crime reporter in Florida, and we would commute <laughs> between New York and Florida. Wow. And I knew I wanted to have a family. So we moved to L.A., and that's when I became a manager. I was working with Rick Yorn and Julie Orn, who were great managers, and they had just started uh, a new company, AMG, and they asked me to run the talent department for them. Um, and I did that, when, and I moved to L.A., um, and I had fewer clients as a manager, and then I um, eventually, um, the company was bought out, and I went and became a partner at Brillstein Entertainment Partners, which is one of the oldest and and um, most well-regarded management companies out there. Um, Bernie Goldstein, sadly, is now deceased. Um, and Brad Gray, who also formed it, is uh, deceased, but he became the chairman of Paramount. Um, so I was there for 10 years, and then about three years ago, I decided to start my own company, mainly because I loved the place I was, and um, I-, I had a lot of fun there with my partners there. Um, But I felt like the industry had changed Mm -hmm. and was changing, and mainly because of, frankly, streaming, digital, um, and music, and the way that all of these different different things are the new entertainment. It's not as simple as saying, I'm just going to do a movie. You know, television has become massive now that... um, you know, now yeah, that streaming and ev- has completely right. shifted, right? Right, everything. So, I wanted I wanted to be at a company where I could um, really integrate all of the knowledge that we have, and we represent actors, writers, directors, producers, supermodels like Miranda Kerr, um, photographers and artists like Petra Collins, um, as well as children's book authors, um, music composers, musicians like Selena. Um, all of that is under one roof, and I also believe that one of the things I love to do is not just pluck out talent who are wonderful artists, but mm-hmm. also um, 
find and nurture incredible um, business people. So amazing young people that I think are superstar managers and producers. It, it's been fun to promote people um, at my company and to watch them become superstars in their own right. And I've learned a lot from them. And we have people in their 20s, 30s, 40s, and 50s at my company. And I think everyone brings some knowledge and experience and expertise into the equation. And I also believe that one of the things that, I, that I've that i done is change the paradigm where a manager, traditionally you'd have one manager, and that manager would represent one or two clients. Mm-hmm. And I believe that due to the fact that this industry has changed so much, you can't do that anymore. There's there's just no way. So what I what I believe is that we work in a team, and a client like Josh Gad will work with all of my managers in some way. Mm-hmm. He's writing, he's producing, he's working in television and film. So everyone at my company has a different um, expertise, and mm-hmm. he will he will work with every single one in, in a different capacity. And I think that makes his career that much more successful. You know, Aline, you you moved up the ladder relatively quickly in this industry, and you did it in, a, in an industry that is really male-dominated, I think, even today. Did you was, – was your being female um, a, a challenge for you or, or, or not? You know, I think – it's so funny because my daughter, who's um, 17, has a diff- she also goes to an all-girls school. Mm-hmm. And uh, we sometimes talk about it because I just assume and know that I'm a feminist. I mean, I was brought up with my parents saying, you can do anything the mm-hmm. boys can do. Be able to take care of yourself. Don't ever think, oh, okay, my goal in life is to marry, marry somebody rich, rich who's going to take care of me. Like, <laughs> right. You know, that was not how I was brought up. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I didn't even really think about it. Mm-hmm. And now in hindsight, I do think that it was hard. I do. I think mm-hmm. the fact that there are lists like the Hollywood, you know, reporters, women in power list, the fact that there that exists mm-hmm. just shows you that it is an issue. And you know, I have been the only woman in a in a room, in a boardroom. I have been the only woman on a team. And I just never even thought about it because mm-hmm. I, I get along and can work well with men and women. And I think we all have something to offer. Um, but, but in hindsight, I do think it, it is harder. And I remember... Um, I remember the hours that I kept and how, mu- how hard I was working to, to kind of be successful. And... I remember one or two women along the way saying to me, you know, you, you, you can still get married. You can still have a family. <laughs> but I'd look around and not many of the women did. Right. You know, the, the people I was looking, looking up to, not many of them did. And I'm lucky that Julia Taylor and Laura Rosenthal, the two women that I first started working with, mm-hmm. they had incredible personal lives. They had very balanced lives. And that became sort of my... Um, my template. And so I, I was very lucky. And I, I have not had a career where I've been um, uh, put in compromising positions because I'm a woman or sexually um, harassed or assaulted. And I'm very, very lucky that way. And I know a lot of my, a lot of my friends have. Mm-hmm. So I, I think I'm I think I'm just recognizing now how rare it is that you can 
own your own company and be a woman doing it. I don't think there are that many people doing it. And when I first started my company, I had people that I didn't know that well Mm -hmm. um, congratulating me and saying how proud they were that I was doing this. And they were big female stars. And I thought, oh, my God, really? It's that big of a deal? (laughs) Because no one would have said that if I were a man starting my own company. Sometimes you don't know it, you know, until you've got some perspective and years behind you because you're so, you know, you're in it to win it in the moment. Um, but just lastly, what what uh, advice would you give to, to people, especially young women who may be listening to this podcast? And maybe they're not going to go into the entertainment industry, but they want to leave their mark on whatever it is they want to go out and pursue. Um, and it can be sometimes an uphill battle, especially when you find out that just 2% of venture capital money goes to women-led companies. So what, what would your advice be to them as they, you know, sort of plan out their journey? Well, the first thing I will say is the same thing that I, that I was saying in the beginning, which is align yourself with the people that are great at, at what they do. So whatever it is that you might want to do and whatever field it is that you're curious about, start at the bottom and make yourself indispensable in that field mm-hmm. and with the people that you're working for. Um, I heard an incredible story the other day from a, a very successful talent agent, and his story was so inspiring to me. I thought it should be a movie of oh. all of the things that happened to keep him down mm-hmm. and how he sort of kept moving forward and the sheer will and the determination and the preparation and the um, desire that he was willing to clean bathrooms to get there. Mm-hmm. And now he's you know, a massively successful person. And you look at that and you think, oh, that's why he's so good at what he does, because he was willing to work really hard and not wait for someone to give him the opportunity on a, right. on a platter. It just will never happen like that. So I think no matter if you're entrepreneurial, I think it just takes a lot of courage and realizing that you will be rejected 90% of the time <laughs> before you have um, – people believe in you. And then as soon as you succeed, everyone's going to say they believe in you the whole time. Yeah, if they want right? to ride but those that's, two. That's, yeah, I'm exactly. Sorry. So the, yeah. the main thing I would say is work extra hard, align yourself with the people, write to them, call them, try to meet them, try to work for them. And that that will, I think, eventually open doors. And then once you, soon you realize that everything is six degrees from separation. You know, everyone that can possibly help you, someone is going to know and will point you in the right direction. You know, for me, it was this one internship that led me to the best person in that field, which led me to an agent that worked with that person, which led me to that job, which led me to meet a manager that we were working with, you know, which led me to the next. Like, every single thing just just leads you. It's based on who you know. Yeah. Um, and, and, And being ready for that. Um, opportunity when it's in front of you. Well, that's huge, right? Being ready, being open to have those things happen to you as much as you're trying to make it happen for yourself. And like you said earlier, you know, be able to take on some risk uh, because you can be well rewarded as as your career has shown. Aline Kashishian, it has been such a pleasure. And I think we learned some fascinating things about how to build a brand and, uh, and build a career. So thank you so much and continued success. Thank you so much. Thanks for taking the time. Thanks for listening to the Yahoo Finance Presents podcast. I'm Alexis Christophorus. Be sure to rate, review, and share this podcast. And remember to subscribe so you never miss an episode.